I think as marketers, you need to make a peace with the fact that you will never have perfect data and you need to work on first principles, right? Things that you know will always work. It will always work to help people out with good content, practical, specific. It will always work to not rush to try to convert people with pop-ups and all of that because then you just kill the, the customer experience and your brand. This is Regrowth, and I'm Matthew Cameron. Today, I'm chatting with Louis Grenier, Hotjar's content marketing lead. Louis manages content strategy and execution at Hotjar, and he's not known to sugarcoat the truth in interviews. Today, he shares insights into what Hotjar has learned from its content failures, how his team put together its customer experience research report, and how demand gen and content teams can better work together. Let's dive in. How did you first get started in marketing? Right. Uh, how long do you have for this one? Um, <laughs> so the first thing to say is I started like my career in marketing when I read this book that my brother had uh, when I visited him in Paris more than 10 years ago. Uh, in French, it's called Le Petit Traité de Manipulation à l'usage des honnêtes gens, which is oh, basically perfect. the... Yeah, it's basically the, the English version, the French version of um, the, persu- uh, the book from Cialdini about persuasion, right? So at the time, I was studying mechanical engineering. I was very bored. Uh, I wanted to build wind turbines originally. And I just fell in love with this book uh, because it, it, it felt like something that was always in me that I never was able to harness. And so this ability to say, you know, you understand people so well that you can give them what they want when they want to. You can really understand at a level that they don't understand themselves and you can really provide them with, help them out uh, with marketing and the product you sell. That's really struck a chord with me. So after that book, I started to take step into getting into marketing and it took me a few years after starting to read all the books uh, from Seth Godin and all of that to actually work in marketing. Mm-hmm. It took me a few years of uh failing in my career, uh, working for a few companies where I wasn't really happy. I was doing nothing but marketing. And I was really into marketing at this stage because I was reading so many books. So I had a, I passed a quick diploma when I was in Dublin for an internship uh, in, in digital marketing. And that led me to have my first job in marketing uh, from a mobile marketing startup. I stayed there for around two or three years. I left to create my own company uh, that failed because I burned out after two years. And then I joined uh, Hotjar uh, a year and a half ago. Um, so you can see I've stumbled a lot. I've learned a lot. And I, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I think the more of us admit that, the better. So what do you currently do at Hotjar? Um, I'm in charge of uh, making sure that we help our users and non-users to uh, improve their customer experience. And we do that through uh, helping out with articles, uh, podcast episodes, uh, videos, um, anything that they might consume uh, wherever they are. And so what does your day-to-day look like? I imagine it's pretty diverse. Yeah, I don't want to fall into the cliches of saying, oh, you know, every day is, is never the same and all mm-hmm. that stuff, right? But it's it's kind of true uh, in a sense. Um, we are still a very small team. So Hotjar has at this stage 70 people. Uh, we have a rather small marketing team. I think at this at the time we are recording this episode, we are eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And of those, three people are in content. So to be clear, and I know we're going to talk more about the Human Strike Back, which is the podcast we launch, and other initiatives, 
when I joined a year and a half ago uh, as the content strategist and then move on to uh, leading the team, we did so many different things every day. Uh, we tried to launch a guide for software company. We launched the podcast. So every day is quite different, but to try to answer uh, with a, in a non, uh, no-nonsense manner, um, as of today, what we do day to day is starting at 8 a.m., and my day in the morning is like four or five hours of uninterrupted work. I've realized that my brain works better in the morning, actually doing strategic stuff. So it's either editing, thinking of an outline for a new article in terms of what makes sense for people and trying to give that away to a writer so that they, they can write it. It could be strategizing when it comes to what is next quarter topics, what are we going to have to talk about? Um, last week, it could be reaching out to people for backlinks and shares uh, because you have to do that nowadays. So usually mornings are very intense work. That could be promotion, creation, uh, strategy. And afternoons tend to be more uh, calls and, and meetings with the team and making sure that everyone is is, uh, is aligned. And I also tend to do interviews like, like this one in the afternoon because it's much easier for me to focus in the afternoon for this type of task. So I hope it answered your question. It does. Yeah. I love the idea of splitting up your day like that. I wish I could set aside some time and I really should set aside some time for some dedicated work. It feels like we could do it away so quickly with everything that's happening. So in that marketing team of eight or so with three focused on content, how do you connect with the rest of the marketing team? What does that organization look like? So that's a Excellent question, because we failed at doing that until recently, and we failed dramatically at doing that until recently. So our team, even though it was, only, it was only eight or nine people, was very siloed. So on one side, we had the pay team in charge of uh, AdWords and Facebook ads and syndicate ads and uh, buy-sell ads and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, then we had what we called the experience team on Hodger experience team, which compromised of a designer, a developer, and a creative director. Uh, who owned the brand and the brand positioning, who would design landing pages sometimes or who would design images for the blog. Um, and then we had her, we had us, right, the content team, doing our own stuff to try to reach our goals, which was three months ago, something like, um, you know, reaching as many people as possible uh, using our blog, right? And all of those were not connected because we didn't have one goal to go after. And that might be surprising to hear uh, from a company like Hotjar, where you might seem, oh, they've everything figured out and they are flying. <laughs> That's not true. Like, and, and everyone would be lying to say that. We are still discovering a lot of things. We discovered, for example, that having one clear goal for the entire marketing team to align against is actually one of the best ways to, to move forward as a team. Mm -hmm. So the answer is really that we are still figuring things out, but now we do have a goal, which is uh, to generate uh, marketing qualified leads as a, as, a, as a team. And so everyone aligns around the type of topics we need to write about, how we're going to promote them, how we're going to design them as a team. So the experience team, which is kind of the creative services team, the pay team and the content team are now working together towards the same goal. So how do you measure the paid team versus the content team dollar for dollar? It seems like a very challenging thing to do when content often feels top of funnel. And maybe you, you want to talk a little bit about how your content differs for top of funnel versus bottom of funnel. But I know paid team, every dollar invested should return this. How does it work out on the content side? 
Same answer. You know, <laughs> we, we really struggled a lot for that and we're still struggling. So we haven't nailed our multi-touch attribution yet. We are still using Google Analytics and a bit of, a bit of mixed panel to understand that. We still don't understand the full journey, right? We still don't know from the very first time someone have heard of Hotjar mm -hmm. until today, we still don't know how many pieces of content they've been exposed to. We still don't know how many ads they've seen. We still don't know which one actually brought uh, them to the site and actually made them sign up, right? Because attribution is, is a very complex topic. I'm pretty sure everyone listening would agree. Um, it's very, very difficult to, to have the full uh, understanding. So the first part of your question, how do we measure it? Uh, in paid, they definitely have stuff figured out. They know uh, how much uh, money we spend. They know how many customers it brings. Mm -hmm. um, they know the return on investment. They are measuring... Um, the, the customer acquisition versus the lifetime value to make sure that it's healthy, that this ratio is healthy. But we are still missing this. Um, what about someone seeing this ad, clicking on this ad, and then signing up to Hotjar for free, and then becoming a customer like in 12 months? Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you actually measure the return investment on that? Uh, because it's not that instant, right? It could, be, it could be 12 to 18 months. So we still don't have that yet, and we're working towards making sure that we have a multi-touch attribution model in place at the start of 2019, but it's not there yet. Now, in terms of content, it's even worse. Um, so we know, we know that we must have top of the funnel content, middle of the funnel content, bottom of the funnel content. We know we need a healthy uh, mix of those uh, or else your funnel is kind of broken. You can't just bring people at the top and then don't make them convert. Mm -hmm. Uh, on the other hand, you can't have just people in the bottom because you just feed them stuff that are very close to your business and people get bored. You know, they don't want to hear about Hotjar versus Crazy Egg all day, right? They want yeah. more inspirational stuff. So at the minute, what we made peace uh, with like, is the fact that we can't measure everything. We don't have all the data. We have imperfect data. So what we know for sure are stuff like the amount of people that see our stuff, see our content. We also know how many people end up signing up after landing on uh, on our page or content pieces. So that will be last touch attribution. So we roughly know how many signups content directly brings to the business. And we have a rough idea of first touch attribution. How many people who land on a blog post and, and then end up signing up within 90 days actually become signups, but not necessarily customers. As you can see, we have a lot of imperfect data, but I think as marketers, you need to make a piece with the fact that you will never have perfect data and you need to work on um, first principles, right? Things that you know will always work. It will always work to help people out with good content, practical, specific. It will always work to not rush to try to convert people with pop-ups and all of that because then you just, you just uh, kill the, the customer experience and your brand. So... We know those stuff, we are certain about certain things, but we also know that we don't know a lot of the rest, which is the multi-touch attribution. Mm -hmm. We don't know how blog posts contribute to the overall picture just yet. But we, we are okay with that because we're moving towards that. And, and we know that digital marketing is not perfect science. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes hard convincing leadership of that concept. Do you feel like everybody in the organization is on board with that? Yeah, I guess... You know, they when people hire you, they they trust you. They trust your judgment. They trust you to do the best job you can. And so, there are absolutely questions about what is the impact of content versus paid. Uh, but the lines become very blurry once you once you start uh, promoting um, content through paid. Um, 
and once content start to produce landing pages that pay can use as well. And so, you know, it, it's definitely sign, sign ups is something we measure, uh, in particular marketing qualified leads. So in particular, those leads that have a lot of traffic, mm-hmm. which is kind of the main way we, we segment them. If people have a lot of traffic, they're more likely to become a customer. That's basically the rule. Yeah. And so absolutely, we report that on a monthly basis. We know how many signups we generate, but there is still this, this black box of a, you know, where are those people coming from? Like we know that roughly 40% of people come from word of mouth. How do you even start to measure that digitally? Mm. You cannot do that because it, most of the time it will be a brand search or it could be a direct visit. So unless we have a multi-touch attribution system in front of us where we have a bit more detail, you just can't answer that. And you need to trust your brand. You need to trust the fact that the product is good enough that others will will talk about it to move forward. And we are very thankful to have a team in, in leadership that understand that, that know that, you know, uh, having a data such as it costs 9.88 euro for every lead uh, you generate through retargeting, understanding that it's, it's, that can't be true. You can't have that many detail on a number yeah. because you don't have the full picture. And so they understand that, but they also understand that, yeah, we need to generate signups. And that's something we need to increase in quarter one of next year, for example. So let's dive into how content strategy has changed a little bit and some of the projects you've worked on. So since you first started at Hotjar, how has the strategy changed around content? Right. So when I started at Hotjar, I had a lot of ambitions, full of ideas, uh, and I basically started a a kind of a think tank with myself, um, (laughs) just trying to come up with as many smart ideas as I could to impress everyone and trying to have a strategy that says we're going to do that and that and that and that. It fell pretty quickly because I learned really fast that it's all about getting stuff done and ideas are worth nothing until you actually execute on them uh, in a lean way, in a small way, and learn. So... One of the first projects we started was a guide for uh, software as a service companies. And we just did that because we had content for it already. Um, we, we had organized, before I joined, Hodger had organized a small event uh, for small startups. And we basically took all of those videos from this event and we turned that into a guide. So there was no thinking in terms of, is there demand for it? Um, is it actually something we want to write for our user personas? Is it actually, does it actually make sense? Do we actually want to attract software as a service company? But more importantly, do we actually want to attract small software as a service company? We never asked ourselves this question. We just did it. Mm-hmm. So it went well. We launched on Product Hunt and all of that, got a lot of traction and then nothing, you know, just the, 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 a huge spike and then nothing, you know, no signups or very little. And then it went back to the normal amount of traffic we used to get, right? So that was the kind of the first learning, which is, hey, maybe when you write something and you put so much effort into it, maybe you want to make sure that it's relevant to, to Hotjar, the business, not just relevant to you and your ideas. Yeah. That was the first mistake. So then it evolved into understanding that we need to do more for our users. So we started to write what we call education content. So we started to write specifically for our own users uh, on how to use the tool. Um, but we never really used that content for non-users, people who could discover the tool, but didn't. So we tried our way into that and all of that. And that really didn't work so well because at the same time, we had this brilliant idea about the podcast, uh, The Human Strike Back, right? Yeah. Which is the second biggest mistake we've done, which is even though the the podcast itself was very successful in a few uh, areas, such as the ability to tell a story that people really connected emotionally with, 
which is about putting people first, which is kind of the, the tagline. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't connect with the business, right? And we had a huge silo where we were doing the podcast. Everyone was proud of it for the first two months. And then they were like, um, hold on a second. Is that actually helping Hotjar to grow? Or is it just you know, a brand play where we actually, there's no tangible way to measure the impact on the business. Mm-hmm. So people started to question that a lot, which makes total sense. And so the biggest learning there was, yes, I'm happy that leadership lets us do stuff and make mistakes and trust us to to, those, to make those mistakes and to learn from them. Uh, on the other hand, they, they, they really questioned the fact that, you know, it's actually not bringing any signups to us. And at the minute, we need more signups. We need to grow the business and it just can't be done with just that. So that was the second big thing that we learned from. And then finally, three, four months ago, so that's quite recent, we actually really started to understand what we needed to do, Mm -hmm. right? And I can spend more time on that. So we understood that we had to to stay super lean. So what I mean by lean is actually doing small stuff every week, shipping them and seeing what people think of them, not planning three months or four months uh, a podcast that get launched and then understanding that actually, yes, it works. People love it, but it doesn't bring any sign up to Hotjar. So staying super lean. The second thing we learned was we need to lean on other people who know more than we do. Let's not try to have a think tank within ourselves. Let's actually reach out to people who've done what we want to do successfully. So we reach out to people from like big commerce. We reach out to a lot of people in the industry. And we asked them, how would you do it? How would you scale our blog, our content from where it is to 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 visits a month and in turn generate more signups? So we asked others instead of just ourselves. Um, and based on all of this learning, we understood that, hey, let's just start publishing once or twice a week on the blog, very specific actionable pieces that actually are relevant to our users, to our user persona, and also non-users. Um, and let's start with that. Let's see where it goes. And get into this habit of shipping every day, or almost every day. Mm-hmm. And that get us to where we are now. We, I think, tripled uh, our traffic just by doing that, and because we were just all working on the same objective. Now, I can spend more, I can spend more time on the actual step that we took, uh, but I wanted to give an overview first. Is season two on hold because of what you found from season one, or is are we planning to continue? Yeah. So we took the decision. Uh, originally, we weren't planning to have seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first truth of it. Okay. The second truth is that we decided to put to stop where we were because we knew we really had to reconvene and look back, take a step back, and say, "Hey, is it actually going to bring signups? Is it actually going to bring more people to see Hotjar? Is it actually going to bring more people to discover Hotjar?" Or should we take a step back and do something else? So absolutely, the season uh, season one was great when it comes to the content itself, but it didn't connect enough to the business. Now, season two, we are still questioning whether we want to do it soon enough or whether we want to wait a bit more. Um, the way we want to treat the podcast now is more as a way to talk again about specific things we wrote on the blog or interviews we've done instead of being its own entity on the side, yeah. right? So. For example, interviewing people about customer experience to talk again about the customer experience study we did, mm-hmm. or talking about how to create personas using your website because that's an article that is quite popular and people liked it, right? So trying to merge that within our existing content calendar instead of trying to create yet another block and silo somewhere else where people would just be lost. 
So you did something a little bit different when you launched season one with that drip campaign in the forefront. Was that particularly successful to drive interest up front? And what'd you learn from that piece? Yeah, so this is the kind of thing that we learned that worked really well. So we took our time, we really took our time to reach out to people who knew about storytelling and who knew about email marketing to create an email sequence that would be really emotional for people so that will like bring them to the podcast uh, so that they understand what it is about and so that they're more likely to reply to us so we can have conversations mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, in turn they will listen to the podcast so to give you a bit of context to listeners um, people will land on hotjar.com slash humans uh, which bring them to the landing page explaining the concept about the human strike back which is about putting people first you can succeed by putting people first instead of putting money first and the premise was, uh, in fact, we've done this mistake before. We had uh, this exact mistake before, focusing too much on the numbers, not enough on the people behind it. And sign up basically to know more about this story. Mm-hmm. And so the sequence was, if I remember well, four to five emails um, that were all part of the same series. So you receive part one of the story. Then there'll be a, there, there will be a, a little bit of a cliffhanger that brings you to part two, a cliffhanger to part three, part four, and then an action at the end. The, the open rate was through the roof. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the open rate for first, second, and third email were above 60%. Wow. Click-through rate was just insanely high, like 15, 20%. But more importantly, what worked the best was replies. So at the end of each email, we asked, you know, um, something like, what do you think of that? Hit reply and let me know, because it came from me originally. And the day of the launch, we were publishing, we were advertising a lot on Facebook and stuff. We got, I, I got flooded, my inbox got flooded by with my, at least 200, 300 emails straight away. It was just insane, insane, the actual uh, amount of people replying. But that shows you that, yes, it was successful. We know how to, to, be, uh, to, to drive emotions, to tell a good story. But yet, it didn't connect back to the business. So if we had done that with a piece that was more closely related to Hodger, it probably would have worked. And the final thing I want to say on that, and just to make a point, we don't regret doing it at all. We, it's a mistake in hindsight to have done it that early. But we believe in that. We 100% believe in pu- putting people first. So we're going to absolutely fight for that once we have more foundations around it. Once we have the core foundation of content, then I think we can branch out to talk about those bigger topics. So you've talked a little bit about doing paid promotion for the podcast. I'm curious if you could tell me how that worked. So I, I wasn't the one directly in charge of the buy the buying uh, scenario and, and how exactly we went about it. Uh, but I know that the biggest budget was on Facebook ads by far. And we chose very controversial posts. So we just spent money on um, like people, like lookalike audiences of our users and, and stuff like that. And we, we had very controversial posts, like one-liners that says uh, something like, you, know, you can put, yes, you can succeed by putting uh, people before money, mm-hmm. all that, that kind of stuff, right? And what happened was we got a lot of people hating us for it. A lot of people saying, that's, uh, that's nonsense. Uh, you can't, uh, you can't you do that. Like, Hodja, you're making money, so why do you say p- putting people first and all that? But they, they just, there was a subtle... It's a subtle difference. We are not saying you should forget about money. It's all about people. We are saying that you cannot make money and be profitable in the long run 
unless you put your people first, right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of was the message. But we planned on that a little. So it got a lot of engagement, a lot of people hating us for it, a lot of people commenting, and as a result, more people seeing the ad. And so that drove a lot of signups to the podcast. Let's talk a bit about one of your more recent original research pieces. So you did a survey of 2,000 customer experience professionals and, and how that's improving and changing over time. There's a lot of talk right now about original research is what content needs to stand out from the masses. Did you find that survey outperformed other content pieces or tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so the first, the first uh, thought I have on that is, I think the reason why data-driven PCs are working well more and more is obviously because we are at saturation level when it comes to the number of articles you see every day. And what I feel is happening is that content marketers are acting like good journalists more and more. Mm -hmm. And like good journalism is really about data, uh, experts, specific, actionable, like practical articles on whatever you're interested in. So I think we're taking a lot from journalists on this one. Um, and I'm glad to talk about the customer experience piece because I think that's the result of all the mistakes we made in the past. So it's too early to say whether it actually is overperforming compared to other pieces, but the original traction, the initial traction is quite good. So to give you a bit more background, we surveyed 2000 uh, customer experience professional. We asked them a bunch of questions um, and we actually reverse engineered the angle before we asked the question. What I mean by that is we knew we wanted to hit some points that were important for us, the business, what we believe in. One of the core things we believe in strongly is people first, once again, in the context of customer experience, you do not have to be super smart about like, you know, big data and predictive analytics and all of those chatbots and all of this technology everyone speaks about. If you focus really on understanding people at a very core level, like as humans, as being very empathetic, so sending them surveys, talking to them directly one-on-one, uh, talking to them at conferences, you will uh, improve your customer experience because you will understand them better than anyone trying to generate Excel reports after Excel reports. So that was one, an example of a, of a core point of view we wanted to come across. So what we did is in one of the questions we asked, um, we asked them about to, to rank those, uh, a bunch of methods uh, in terms of effectiveness uh, to improve the customer experience from their perspective. So we've added very traditional methods like surveying and talking to people, as well as those new technology arriving like chatbots, predictive analytics, and all that. And the funny thing that we found out after doing a few tests, so we ran test surveys to 100 people to see how they reacted, mm -hmm. and then we improved the questions a few times. We found out that the more mature they are when it comes to improving the customer experience, the more they are using traditional methods uh, to, uh, to improve it. So I'm proud of the fact that we used our own point of view and we managed to create the right questions to put it across, but we also got surprised by the respondents, right? I mean, they could have answered the other way, but they didn't. So we also relied on more than 100 customer experience experts that we reached out to, asking them their thought about what is the one thing you would do to improve the customer experience or to create an outstanding customer experience. So we got quotes from more than 100 people. And we also did extensive SEO uh, research, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is where we learn from our mistake. Customer experience is where we want to be. Hotjar, at the end of the day, is a way for you to improve customer experience on your website. Um, 
we knew there was demand for it. We searched for that. We knew that the customer experience cluster is something that people search a lot for. We knew it was very competitive, but we also knew we had a strong domain authority and therefore we would be likely to rank for it if we did proper outreach after that and promoted it properly. And finally, we also knew that by introducing our point of view and reaching out to experts, we would have this this way to, to reach out to those experts once the piece was published and say, hey, thanks so much for contributing, for helping making this piece. Now you might be in, you know, your readers, your community might be interested in it. So they will share with it. They will share it. Mm -hmm. So as you can see, I think this piece is a great example of all of the lessons we learned uh, throughout the last year and how we put that together to make sure that we don't make those mistakes again. And I'm happy to dive in into more details about this customer experience piece if, if you want. Yeah, I'd like to better understand how you conducted the research a little bit, in particular, how you found people to participate in the survey. Did you have to incentivize them at all? Or was this pretty organic with your own customer base? So we we didn't uh, use our own customers. We actually used a panel, um, a very uh, targeted panel called uh, Polefish. Mm -hmm. So it's a way really to reach out to people from their mobile device. So it's it's a new type of panel compared to like the likes of SurveyMonkey audience that does that, where they pay third-party apps to show surveys to people while they're on their phone. And um, so it's a way to get faster results and, and very, very relevant audience. So we, we had to ask a bunch of selective questions at the start saying, hey, you know, are you involved with customer experience? Um, I don't remember, but I think we had two to three questions to qualify them further. And then we had a bunch of questions. So we used the panel uh, for, the for the speed of it. Uh, next data-driven piece we want to do, we are probably going to use our own customers. Hmm. What does the sample size look like in your own customer base of folks that are actively engaged versus what you can access through an external source like that? Much bigger, actually. We have the luxury to have a lot of users, a lot of customers. Um, I think we have more than uh, 20,000 uh, customers at this stage and users are way more than that. But I mean, uh, what I mean by customers are people actually paying for the tool. But as you know, Hotjar is also a freemium, so a free tool. So we have a lot more users. So we could basically reach out to way more than 2,000 people if we wanted mm -hmm. to. Now, to prove the concept to leadership and to others in the team to make sure that uh, we prove that this time we learned our lesson and we're not going to just send a survey to our own users and then end up not publishing it or end up not getting enough um, enough out of it, uh, we chose to use a panel to prove the concept to say that can be done fairly quickly so that next time we say, hey, now we want to use uh, our own users, we want to send them an email uh, because we feel that this next piece could, could be it. Did you face any challenges conducting the research outside of those pre-qualifying questions and then the iteration on the first 100 or 200 subscribers? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge was nailing the questions, right? And if we had sent a survey with all the questions we wanted from the start, we would have failed miserably because we, we would not have tested uh, a few surveys. So as I said, we reverse engineered the key facts or the key things we wanted to talk about into the questions, which took some time. So one example I gave was around big data versus traditional methods. Another one was about focusing on people versus money. Are people, um, are customer, ex customer experience professionals um, more likely to focus on making people happy rather than making money? You know, those kind of core stuff. So we really had to take a few days to, 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 to design those questions and then we had to send test surveys with open-ended question to make sure that uh, we had people, you know, giving us the right answers or like giving us enough options, so we can turn 
those open-ended questions into uh, multi-choice questions. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I know it's a bit uh, technical. So for instance, the question about the methods, what methods do you use primarily to understand your customers? Are you using predictive analytics or chatbots or are you using more traditional methods? We actually send us this question without the choices. So the first test surveys were sent and we just asked them to come up with options. So they will literally say, well, I use analytics or I use survey, you know, mm -hmm. but we had to digest this data to turn it into a multiple choice question and say, actually, yeah, those, those choices are like 99% of people answered one of those. So next time, instead of asking an open-ended question that will be difficult for people to answer, let's give them those choices. So as you can see, designing the survey was probably the most difficult part. Reaching out to people and experts was actually easier if mm -hmm. I if I can uh, yeah, remember properly. Yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like it took you a year or so of learning to get to this point where you're ready to execute something like this. Do you have any advice for marketers looking to do something similar in 2019? Yeah, I, I guess it's a summary of all the, the mistakes I've made, right? So one is don't turn yourself into a think tank or don't turn your team and yourself into a think tank. It's great to have good ideas, but really they're worth nothing until you just ship them. Two is connected to the first one, stay lean. Um, it's better to, to create one blog post every week rather than one big piece every three months. So this customer experience piece was part of a yet another blog post during the week, right? We didn't wait three months. We worked on others in the same time. So ship often uh, so that you can see how people react to things, right? Um, the other one I would say is rely on people who are much smarter than you, which we did, right? Uh, reach out to people who've done it before so they can teach you how they've done it so you don't have to really uh, learn everything and make all of those mistakes I made myself. Um, so don't be afraid to reach to people who have way more experience. Don't be afraid to reach out to people who, who've achieved those results that you want to achieve because they will be more, more than happy to help. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When a piece like this starts to gain traction but then starts to age, how do you keep it alive without deceiving anybody is it updating the publication date or is it doing like a version 1.5 how do you do that yeah i like i like this question because i without deceiving anybody i like that so you know i think last year when i started at hotjar i was really into like the skyscraper technique from brian dean i'm like yeah we must write amazing pieces every every week right every month we must have like a long long form piece the truth is unless you have a an in, like uh, a factory behind you of people who are willing to do that and ways to promote it. it. It's just impossible to do every day. So you must kind of have shorter pieces to complement the long form piece. And so I think the plan is once we have those cornerstone pieces nailed, that really are the foundations of, of Hotjar. So it could be customer experience, it could be survey, website feedback, you know, those core topics that are relevant to us. Then we are probably going to revisit them every six to six months to one year. Um, for customer experience, it's likely that we're going to redo a study every year and we are just going to update the same URL over and over. We're not going to create, you know, hotjar.com slash blog slash customer experience 2018. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're just going to keep the same URL because it wouldn't make sense to dilute the power of all the backlinks and shares we got in the past. But we are going to update it for sure. That's perfect. Thanks for diving deeper on that. So I appreciate all the insight you've given us so far. I want to ask a few wrap-up questions. What challenges do you think content marketers are facing right now or will be in the future? I think I mentioned it. I, my guess are multi-touch attribution and, and to, to, speak, to speak in plain language, how do I even measure the full 
performance of my content when it comes to the business objectives, like signups, definitely number one. And I would say very closely related is how do I make sure that I break through the noise, that we, we write stuff that people will find and will care about. How can other marketers start to bridge the demand gen and content teams? I guess it starts with a deep understanding of customers. And we can have a discussion, full-on discussion for an hour and a half on how to do that, right? So it's a bit difficult for me to, 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 to drop that and then say, well, that's it, you figure that out. I guess it starts really with understanding who your core personas are, to have a deep understanding of that and shared understanding of that. For us, it's e-commerce companies, subscription companies over a certain size. And we know that, the entire team knows that, so that's easier. Number two is one goal, like one metric that matters. Uh, that's from Lean Analytics. I don't remember the authors, but it's a very good book. So once we have one goal for the entire team, demand plus content, together, you start working uh, when you have smart people in the room, which I'm sure everyone uh, have. You just start working on how are we going to reach this goal together? And you, just, you have no other choice because you have one goal together. Um, I guess that starts with that. Deep understanding of customer and an alignment when it comes to what is expected of us as a team and, and how to make that happen. The rest... Like, you know, building a journey and understand them and where they are and where the content fits in the journey. That comes later. But the most important things are shared understanding of a customer and shared understanding of the metric you want to hit. Is there anything we forgot to ask or you'd like to add? <sighs> There's so many things I, I love to talk about. Um, I guess I want to repeat something I keep repeating throughout the podcast. First of all, I want to thank you for your time and for doing this. I know it takes some time to interview guests and invite them and remind them that the interview is today so that they don't forget. <laughs> so thank you for doing what you're doing. But the second thing is it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you're learning from them and as long as you're humble and vulnerable and being able to, to move on, right? So, you know, marketing is a tough, tough domain. I mean, there's so many smart people out there trying to outrank you, trying to outshine you, trying to find new ways and hacks and all of that. Forget about the hacks, forget about all of that, learn from your mistake, focus on first principles, things that will never change, and you'll be good. Uh, but don't fall into the trap of, I want to try this new tool, I want to try this new, this new hack. No, focus on your people, focus on your customer, talk to them, make sure you understand them. The rest usually follows. Where can listeners find you online? Uh, whew, uh, there are many ways. So uh, Hotjar.com, uh, that's uh, the business. Um, Everyone Hates Marketers uh, is my personal podcast about no-fluff marketing. Uh, if you want to send me an email about Hotjar, it's louis, L-O-U-I-S, at Hotjar.com. If it's more about my personal podcast, it's louis at everyonehatesmarketers.com. Uh, I'm not that much on Twitter anymore, but LinkedIn, you can find me, Louis Grenier. My last name is G-R-E-N-I-E-R. Thanks for listening to Regrowth, the podcast for B2B marketers looking to grow in their careers. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You can find us on Twitter at Buy Sell Ads and be sure to check out our website for more information on each season and episode.